I'm Father Ron Shipley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to episode 37 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. At the end of this episode, I'll point out where material presented in episode 37 is used in the AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of John, Annotated and Illustrated. In this episode, I continue my discussion of unique miracles or signs found in the Gospel of St. John with the next three, the healing of the nobleman's son, the healing of the paralytic man, and part one of two in the healing of the man born blind. When we enter the story, it is still 27 AD, just after Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well of Jacob, discussed in the context of the I Am declarations in episode 29. As in the account of the wedding at Cana, the location is again near Cana of Galilee. All the disciples are present and no mention is made of any outsiders. The illustration for this entire sequence is healing the nobleman's son and engraving from the Boyer Bible, a multi-volume illustrated Bible printed in England in 1840 A.D., photographed by Harry Kosuth for the 2018 A.D. digital edition entitled Early Scenes from the Life of Christ. The entire Bible is housed at the Bolton Library, Bolton, Lancashire, England. St. John's account tells of a nobleman at Cana who had a sick son lying near death at the city of Capernaum, nearly 15 miles away on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. Nobleman meets a man who was a member of the court or household of Herod Antipas, officially called Tetrarch of Galilee, but more commonly known as King it is unclear whether this man was a Jew or a Gentile, or that is, a Roman. Some modern scholars believe that the man is the centurion in Matthew 8, verses 5 to 13, the gospel reading for fourth Sunday after Epiphany, and also told in Luke 7, 1 to 10. The respected 18th century Anglican commentator Matthew Henry thought he was a loyalist, in the household of Herod Antipas, which is the traditional understanding. Whatever his ethnicity, this nobleman, having heard of Jesus' presence in the territory and obviously of the reports of his ability to heal the sick, sought out Jesus. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. St. John's account implies that this man had faith in Jesus' ability to heal, but at the same time believed that such a healer had to actually touch the sick person. In the continuation of the scene, Jesus' use of you people in verse 38 refers to Galileans, whether Gentile or Jew, who need to see signs and wonders, another way of saying in modern language they needed to be entertained. Here is the entire dialogue as St. John wrote it in verse 48, 49, and 50. 
Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. In the balance of St. John's account of this incident, there is more of the strong sense of Christian spirituality so typical of St. John's Gospel and which has an immediacy and sense of personal commentary which sounds directed to the individual reader. Seventh hour here means about 1 p.m. in modern time calculations. As he was now going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Your son lives, with an exclamation point. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. As in the first sign at the wedding at Cana, the miraculous result was accomplished without a spoken word or command. But in the case of the nobleman's son, the healing was done at a distance, about 15 miles, and without any contact with the person who was healed. This has a parallel in the Gospel of St. Mark. One of St. Mark's major themes was miracles as demonstrations of Jesus' power over nature asserted through his divine will, which was discussed in episode 9. For the third sign, the location shifts from Cana of Galilee back to Jerusalem and into early 28 AD. The, quote, Feast of the Jews, unquote, referred to by St. John in John 5, 1, is the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost. The Jewish Feast of Pentecost celebrated the giving of the Mosaic Law, or Commandments. The Christian Feast of Pentecost, which celebrates the coming or descent of the Holy Spirit, recounted in Acts 2, which occurred, as the title indicates, 50 days from the Greek uh, penta, 50 days after the resurrection. The location was outside the temple on the north side at the Pool of Bethesda near the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate was the name given at the time of Nehemiah after the return from Babylon. It was a two-tier spring-fed pool which scholars believe was used to wash the sacrificial lamb before they were brought into the temple. The Church of St. Anne, a Roman Catholic church built over the remains of an older 12th century Byzantine sanctuary honoring the birthplace of the Mother of the Blessed Virgin, now straddles part of the site. The illustration is a 2008 AD photograph with the remains of the ruins of a Byzantine church built adjacent to the Pool of Bethesda. The audience in this incident was the disciples, and a multitude of sick people, and an angel. Once again, I will let St. John tell the story in his own words. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first 
after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity of thirty-eight years. The illustration is the healing at the pool of Bethesda, an illumination in egg temperer and gilt on parchment from the Codex Egberti, produced at Reichenau, Germany, between 987 and 994, in honor of the Archbishop of Trier, from the collection of Carolingian and Atonian documents in Wissenschaftliche Bibliothek der Stadt Trier, formerly called the Trier City Library, Trier, Germany. At the top right, an angel is seen stirring the waters of the pool. Verse 4 in the NKJV translation of John's Gospel is not printed in many modern translations, including the ESV. Early church writers in both the Western and the Eastern church traditions, particularly Tertullian in the 2nd century Roman tradition, and St. John Chrysostom, Bishop of Constantinople in the late 4th, early 5th century, quoted verse 4. While the disputed verse involves the use of different manuscript sources, another issue is the early church understanding of angels and their part in human life. The word angel comes from the Greek angelos, which means messenger. Verse 4 is entirely consistent with the deep sense of Christian spirituality found in St. John's Gospel and in his epistles and in the book of Revelation. In Revelation, he repeatedly cites the appearance of angels. I discuss angels in the angels slash archangels entry in the bookstore publication Layman's Lexicon and also on the ninth day of Christmas or January 2nd episode of our seasonal video series, The Twelve Days of Christmas. Here is the complete text of the dialogue in the words of St. John in verses 6, 7, and 8. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, saying, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Once again, as in the accounts of the wedding at Cana and the healing of the nobleman's son, there was no physical contact, but in this context there was a spoken command with a promise of healing demonstrating his divine power. The account continues with an act foretelling the shadowing of Jesus by the Hebrew religious authorities, which St. John recounts in the I Am declarations discussed in episode 29 through episode 35. St. John goes on in verses 9 through 15 to tell of the aftermath of this healing. And immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them and said, He who made me well said, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. 
a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. The phrase sin no more is sometimes explained according to the Hebrew teaching that physical ailments are the result of sin. However, the context suggests that Jesus is referring to the man's faith in him and that from this time forward he is responsible for his conduct and will be held accountable to God for it. I will discuss the idea of illness as divine punishment for sin in the context of the third and final sign in this episode. That third and final sign is the healing of the man born blind in John 9, verses 1 to 41. Owing to its extended length, it will be presented in two parts, with the final part discussed in episode 38. The healing comes just after the confrontation between Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees over his use of the phrase, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, in John 8.58, which I discussed in episode 32. The location remains near the temple complex in Jerusalem. Initially, only the disciples and the blind man are present. Later, after the healing, the Pharisees appear. The illustration, Healing the Man Born Blind, is another illumination from the previously cited Codex Egberti. St. John begins his narrative with a conversation between Jesus and the disciples in which the topic of sin as divine retribution comes up. The disciples call Jesus by the Hebrew title Rabbi, which means teacher. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and the disciples asked him, Who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus replied in verses 3, 4, and 5 with a reference to his own future and an I Am declaration previously quoted in episode 31 and which will be discussed again in the context of St. John's theme of light versus darkness in episode 43. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the work of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Only the second I am is an example of the Greek ego I me. As in the case of the healing of the paralytic man at the pool of Bethesda, the Hebrew understanding of a connection between sin and ill health or other calamities arises. Traditional Christian teaching is that the sin of Adam and Eve brought evil and illness into the world. However, sickness is not of itself evidence of sin. In the specific case of the man born blind, he becomes an instrument through which the power of God is revealed to other men. St. John's description in verse 6 and 7 of the actual healing of the blind man includes an unusual and unique in the Gospels method of restoring sight. 
When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. There are two other interesting details in this account. The pool of Siloam, for which the Greek name is the Greek name for the place called Shiloh in Hebrew, there's no indication of the passage of time between verse 6 and verse 7. But since the pool of Siloam is located on the far southeastern side of the Temple Mount, it would have taken time, perhaps an hour, for the man to have walked there, washed in the pool, and returned to the temple area. Many early church writers offered explanations of the symbolism of the unusual manner of healing which St. John described. St. Irenaeus of Lyon, one of the earliest links between the church in the West and the church in the East, and who was raised in the East and became Bishop of Lyon in southeastern France in the second century, wrote that Jesus' healing revealed Jesus as God and his healing of the man born blind as a restoration of humanity in the manner of the original creation in Genesis 2, verse 7, that is, mankind made from dirt by the will of God. The illustration is a stained-glass window of St. Irenaeus attributed to French painter and stained-glass artist and archaeologist Lucien Begley at the Church of St. Irenaeus, Lyon, France. Among the most appealing characteristics of St. John's Gospel is the manner in which he records the aftermath of events. Here is how he tells the next part of the sign in verses 8 through 12. The implication is that these, quote, neighbors and others knew the man well. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes open? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. I will continue with part two of the aftermath, discussing the seemingly inevitable appearance of the Pharisees in episode 38. Other AIC resources on topics discussed in this episode are linked from our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, with seasonal and Christian educational videos linked from the digital library page, Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and podcast versions from the podcast archive page. AIC bookstore publications are linked from the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page. Now, items of interest for episode 37 are from the AIC seasonal video series Trinity Tide, the teaching season, the origin of Pentecost or Whitsuntide in the Anglican tradition is discussed in episode 1.
from the AIC Christian Education video series, The Lives of the Saints. From the first series, St. John is the focus of episode 4, St. Mark of 7, St. Matthew of 14. From the second series, St. John Chrysostom is the focus of episode 9 and episode 10. From our long-running podcast homily series, there are links from the podcast homilies page with the podcast homily for fourth Sunday after Epiphany with focus on the epistle reading Romans 13, 1 to 11 and the gospel Matthew 8, 5 to 13, which is an account of the healing of the centurion's servant. From the AIC Bookstore Publications in the Gospel of John, annotated and illustrated, topics in this episode are Healing the Nobleman's Son in Chapter 4, Healing the Paralytic Man in Chapter 5, shown in the Illumination from the Codex Egberti on page 47, and Healing the Man Born Blind in Chapter 9. In Layman's Lexicon, the list of words and phrases is once again short. Creation, I am, Gentiles, Pentecost, Sabbath, and sin. In Hear Us, O Lord, Daily Prayers for the Laity, the scriptural origin of the hour system used by the Hebrews and carried over into Christian practice is discussed in Part 3. Finally, there is Father Ron's blog using links at the top and the bottom of each page. Entries in my blog usually include an illustration. The direct URL address is www.anglicaninternetchurch.net right slash blog with blog spelled only in lowercase letters. Additionally, by clicking on the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend on this page in the right-hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can receive notice of each new posting from our site host, wordpress.com. Please be assured that we do not share information such as email addresses with other organizations. Thank you for joining me for episode 37. Next time in episode 38, I resume St. John's account of the aftermath in part 2 of 2 on the fourth sign, the healing of the man born blind, and discuss the fifth sign, the raising of Lazarus. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.